For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. Today's guest is a songwriter, radio host, actor, voice actor, the list goes on and on. Probably most well known for being the voice of Scooby-Doo, Shaggy, Scrappy, and many others. Please welcome the one and only Scott Ennis to Epic Realms. How are you doing? Hey, hey what's going on? Creeper, please. I'm trying to do a... Uh, look, see, you know what? Uh, <laughs> hang on a second. I'm I, I, I fight these villains off all the time. It's, you know. Uh, see, that's what happens when you sit around and you you sign Pops of the Creeper, you know. He's got to be in on it, you know. Right. Uh, Scooby-Doo, where in. are you? Oh, boy. Scooby-Dooby-Doo with Epic Realms. <laughs> You've done so many cool things with your career. Uh, it's hard to kind of figure out where everything starts. CMA Air, CMA Air Personality of the Year. Golden Mike Award, radio legend, actor, been in several movies, video games, the voice of many people's childhood memories. Can you put a pin somewhere in your life and goes, this is this is the moment. This is what really spawned wow. it all. Well, you know, I'll tell you right now, you know, I started uh, as a young child running American Top 40. I was only 14. I got into radio at 14. They were paying me under the, the table to work there because of child labor laws. And I started my career running American Top 40. And, uh, you know, even as a young kid going to high school, I was always a class clown. So I was always impersonating people through my, you know, as a, as a young kid. So Scooby and Shaggy, you know, I grew up with those those characters and I uh, watched them all the time. I mimicked them. I relived them at night trying to go to sleep. I would recreate the day's episodes in my sleep. But, you know, really what solidified it for me was I really got an anchor to be in radio, and which I still am in radio, and I love radio. That's my that's my passion, my love. But I started running American Top 40, and I got so tired of hearing, oh, listen to rights, dear Casey, moving up five notches. This was, And I, I learned how to do Casey's voice to a T. And, uh, you know, learning to do that, I was reading one time, and I said, oh, my gosh, Casey Kasem's the voice of Shaggy. I should have known. <laughs> And so I was doing a pretty good Shaggy, and my dad came up with an idea. He said, well, you know, you got Scooby down pretty good. Maybe you should, you know, you, you should do Shaggy. I said, well, Dad, I'm, I'm trying. He said, well, why don't you be Casey Kasem first, do that voice, and then go from that voice up a little higher instead of going right into Shaggy. And he was right on. And, uh, I, you know, I just I pretended, you know, I walked around doing the voice of Casey Kasem, and then I kicked it up just a little higher. And then I talked, that's how we got Shaggy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. So. That's kind of cool. When you got first got into radio, 
uh, you said you were like 14 years old and I, yep. and, and I can empathize. I worked in a radio station as well. I ran the, the weather and stuff like that during sports games at a radio station, obviously not top 40 type stuff, but, uh, was it hard being like the kid where people wanting to like, just have you do all this extra stuff and, you know, yeah. all kinds of other things you probably shouldn't be doing, but you're like, dear God, I'm in radio. This is what I want to yeah. do. I'll do whatever. Well, here's the deal. What actually got me the job is it was KLID. It was a thousand watt AM radio station in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And um, they wouldn't hire me just to run American Top 40. Uh, they said, okay, look, we, we need a couple of things here. We need a janitor on Sunday nights to clean the station. And um, we need you to wash the station vehicles. Um, and then if you'll do that, we'll let you run American Top 40 on Sundays. I was like, I'm in. And so I would do that on Sundays and while the, the records would run, right? American Top 40, Top 40, I'm Casey Kasem, on with the countdown. And so we would do that. And I remember the the uh, I went on in between the records to do the forecast. I just opened up the mic and went, forecast for Popper Bluff today. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the program director was driving down the road and he calls me up. Do not talk. You run the records. I mean, unless you do a great Casey Kasem impression, do not talk. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, is that an invitation? <laughs> so he's driving down the road. He's driving down the road again a couple of Sundays later, and he hears forecast for Popper Bluff is going to be partly cloudy with a high of 27. Now on with the countdown. And, dude, <laughs> I went right in, there and he calls me up, and he's just shaking his head, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're relentless, man. And so – that's when he started letting me talk. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I love, I love radio. And, uh, and that's, you know, I used to, I used to keep the, it was a thousand watt AM radio station and you're supposed to sign off when the sun went down. Yeah. You would sign or you would go to low power and low power was 350 watts, folks. You barely picked it up at the shell station right down the block. Okay. Yeah. And it was a thousand watt at full power, which you know, I mean, a thousand watt on AM, depending on the temperature and the, the atmosphere, you could you could pick that up eight hundred miles away. That's the way AM radio is. Well, I would leave it on full power because I wanted all my buddies to be able to hear it, you know, four miles away. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so that ultimately got me fired, oh. and uh, because I would constantly, what we actually had a radio station call us in Alabama, Dothan, Alabama, and he says, "Dude." You're killing me down here. I said, "What do you?" He goes, "I'm also on the frequency 1340 AM, and you're zo you're booming into my signal tonight. Are you on high power?" Uh, who's asking? <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah." So he ended up calling the station the next you know day and saying, "Your jock's leaving it on power. It's costing me a lot of money." Well, they fired me over it. Oh. And I went to work at McDonald's, and I just couldn't master the Big Macs. You know, two meats, blah blah. So Charles Lindbergh, who owned the McDonald's, he, he brought me in. He said, I'm going to do you a favor. He said, um, I'm going to fire you. I was like, wow, geez, two, I've lost two jobs in the last two months. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to that radio station and you ask them how much it would cost for me to underwrite your show at night. I said, well, they just fired me. There he goes, trust me, kid, money talks. So I went back and I asked the program director. I said, so... Mr. Lindbergh wants to know how much it's going to cost for me to get my job back. And he goes, being kind of cocky, he goes, now keep in mind, this is early 80s. Yeah. He said, uh, I don't know, a couple of thousand a month. Wow. I said, okay, I'll go tell him. 
yeah, I'm not going to get hired back. So I go back to to the McDonald's, Charles Lindbergh. I said, he wants $2,000 a month. He goes, done. So he underwrote me getting back into radio. And it was because of that that really got me back into radio and catapulted my career. And all these years later, he came up to one of my signings back in my hometown. And he kept he would ride the line. And then he'd get up about two or three people from getting to me. And he would get out of line and go back and get in line at the end of the line. And he said he was just in awe. He just wanted to keep experiencing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know. That that's a good feeling, you know, and I owed a lot to him and uh, and McDonald's, and it's kind of ironic that and I would go on to as Scooby and Shaggy and Scrappy and all the characters get to voice a bunch of McDonald's commercials through the years. So. Yeah, that is really happy. Cool. No toys and whatnot. But, doing doing radio and having the radio voice because a lot of people say, "Uh oh, who's that?" Looks like a oh like god, a Zoinks, Mike, is, is, who's there? Like, Shaggy, please. <laughs> For those that are listening to the podcast, there's a little, little, uh, a little shaggy that just kind of peeked in on the bottom yeah. of the screen there. So, just got to keep an eye out for him. He probably just wants some snacks. That's all. Yeah, he just wants some Scooby snacks. A lot of people have said there's different things to having this radio voice, and obviously we talked about Casey Kasem. His is a lot different than other people. Uh, right. Whether it's their cadence or their timbre or what it is about it, what to you is something that somebody that's in radio should have, should use for their voice to kind of get out there? What's like a key I think thing? being unique is the most important thing. I just happen to have an announcer type delivery mm -hmm. because I'm an impersonator. So when I'm talking to people, I naturally, I talk in a little bit more of a structured voice. Um, Unless, you know, I'm I'm really relaxed and just laying around the house and then I get real redneck, you know. <laughs> but it's funny because when you go to somewhere and you're, you know, in a bank or you're talking to somebody, they're like, dude, you should get into radio. You've got a great radio voice. And it's so funny. I'll play with a lot of people that don't know who I am. I'll go, really? You think so? I mean, my wife says that all the time. I mean, like, check this out and tell me if you like it. Partly cloudy today with a high of 74. Now on with the cat, you know, and they're like, dude, <laughs> you should do that. And I said, I'm going to tell my wife that, you know, because um, she thinks I should get into radio. And then you'll have somebody walk up and go, dude, do you know who you're talking to? You know, and so they're like, no, you know. So that's funny. But, yeah, it's just, you know, be yourself. I tell people, you know, you know, Casey Kasem, he was just himself. You know, what made him, what built up his time spent listening, that's a radio term where you got to keep the audience through the break. Mm hmm he came up with an idea and uh, he had had some trivia that he had thrown in the trash. And he tells the story that the guy, the program director had had him in a meeting before his show. And he goes, dude, you, you're, you're losing the audience. You're going into a break and they're going, we got to keep them. So he said, he bent down in the tra trash can before he went to a break and he was coming up on the break. And he said, coming up, Find out what group started their career off by working at McDonald's and flipping burgers before they hit the top of the charts. Details coming up. And and it it forced people to go, oh, God, now I can't leave. I got to hear who gotta this find was. find out who it was, yeah. And so I've adapted that principle in my my show as well because it's a great, it's a great analogy. You know, it's a great thing to, to keep people through that break. And so I do the same thing, you know. It's uh, – you know, what what uh, what star just recently went through a drive through car wash and forgot to roll up his windows that is coming up, <laughs> now, you know. So, yeah, be yourself, because if, if you can't be yourself. Um, 
yeah, you, there's, you're not really going to go anywhere. People like uniqueness, you know? Throughout all of your career doing, doing radio, again, radio stuff, there's, there's a daily grind and a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about. Is there something that, that you think a lot of people take for granted that's, you know, really difficult or like really part of the grind that you're like, God, I wish I didn't have to do this, but I got to do it. Look, you know what? Not for me. Um, you know, getting up at, I'm, I'm recently back in mornings. I did, I went to afternoons for 25 years, but, um, you know, getting up in the morning at 420 is, is always a challenge because I don't go to bed till midnight. So, you know, that's a challenge. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they listen to the radio and they hear a smooth transition through all these these comedy bits and and all that stuff. But they don't know that we're working ahead on the show. Like, you know, on my show, I got a lot of characters on the show. OK, a lot of characters that I'm recording current bits with. And while I'm playing a song or two songs and playing a jingle in between them, I'm on the phone recording a bit that's going to air. That's going to yeah. go on the air. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, they're listening to me 30 minutes ago, but they don't know that during that 30 minutes that they listened 30 minutes ago, I was doing the other half of the hour, you know, and that's where radio, because, you know, radio, uh, you only have so much time to produce the whole show. And I produce the show as we go. I keep it as much in real time as I possibly can. But because of you know, the way radio has evolved, you know, back in the day. You were live, live. There was no recording, okay? I mean, you record some phone bits, but you had to, like, hurry up because you had three minutes before that record needed to be hit again. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you, you'd you be in the middle of a bit, and you'd go, hold on, I got to do this. You know, classic hits, 103.3, here's, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, da 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 and then you get back to your bit. Right. Now, because of the computer, you can keep that going, you know? Thank God, because it's made a lot better radio for people to be right in the middle of a bit and not stop. You know, right. you got to keep 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 doing it. So, <laughs> being in radio, you've met a lot of people, a lot of names, a lot of big names. A lot. <laughs> and uh, I, you you mentioned to me that you may or may not have charged people money to come to your fiftieth birthday. Oh God, yeah, that's uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was always teasing people. You know. One of these days when I have my 50th birthday party, I'm going to throw a party and charge people to get into it. And my buddies would go, if anybody can pull it off, you could. And then here we came up on my 50th birthday party and I said, dude, I've got to do this. So, you know, over the years, I've made a lot of good friends. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 57 coming up. So seven years ago, I threw this 50th birthday party. <clears throat> and we had Mike Reno from Loverboy. We had John Elefante from Kansas. Carry on my wayward son. Uh, then you had John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band singing On the Dark Side and Tender Years from Eddie and the Cruisers. We had Bill Champlin singing all those Chicago songs. <clears throat> um, and then we had Bobby Kimball from Toto, you know, singing Hold the Line and Down in Africa. And we charged, you know, 50 bucks to get in. And you got all that and all the money went to charity. But it was funny that my son roasted me on the stage. And it was just <laughs> hilarious. It was a great night. Uh, my buddy John Schneider, who I've written a bunch of songs for, uh, John is uh, was out in the audience, and he actually came up and sung a song. But uh, you know, Bo Duke, John Schneider. So, yes, I did that and pulled that off. And John walked up to me, put his arm around me, and he goes, "Dude, you're the only guy I know that has thrown a 50th birthday party and charged people to get in." <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <clears throat> so. 
And then, of course, he later did it. <laughs> he he took the M.O. and started doing it, too. So he did all these John's Bose extravaganza. And he uh, he uh, he would charge people to get in, too, uh, for charity. But anyway. But, yeah, that's uh, that's what I did. I, I threw a 50th birthday party with the biggest names in rock and roll and charged people. You also write music. You mentioned you, all the people. Tell us about how you kind of branched over into songwriting and like how you got to work with some of these stars. Like I mentioned to you off off camera that like that was super cool that I read that you did the a song for Kenny Rogers, which was a song I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I've been writing songs before I did anything. And in, in fact, one of the first songs I ever wrote that actually got the attention of somebody was Hanna Barbera. Uh, it was called I Wish I Was a Flintstone. And I wrote that as a kid. I mean, I was 17 years old, and I sent it to Hanna-Barbera, and they loved it. And for about a week, I was on cloud nine. I still have the letter. Uh, they were telling me that how much they loved uh, the song, and they wanted to cut it. And um, and then a week went by, and I didn't hear from them, and they had just gone soft. Off. They, they decided not to do it. But years later, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I write and I write and write and some of it works, some of it doesn't. But over the years I've, in my country radio, I've, I've had the honor of, you know, becoming friends with Kenny Rogers and uh, Sammy Kershaw and Shannon Doa and all these big people. And I wrote uh, a song. Uh, I was uh, the experience of my child being born, Presley, who we named after Elvis. And um I was just in the delivery room and I just, it just came to me. And um, I, I actually was in the room watching everything going down and I got sick. <clears throat> and so they brought me out in the lobby. I said, yeah, you need to stay out here. So I did. And while I was out there, the whole movement thing, I, I got a pen and paper and <clears throat> started writing down um, handprints on the wall. And uh, that ended up being Kenny's uh, last charting top 40 hit went to number 37 and um you know it was about a father you know me uh experiencing what i went through as a, with, a, with a young child and uh you know the song goes the weight turned into hours before you came my way a smile to feel the daddy's heart on that special day the moment left me speechless I didn't know what to say. Then you took your first breath, and that took mine away. Days go by so quickly, summer turns to fall. Seems like only yesterday that you began to crawl. So don't be afraid to take that step. I'll catch you when you fall. I don't mind if you leave behind a few handprints on the wall. So I wrote that and, you know, that went, then I wrote the paper heart for Sammy Kershaw. Uh, we wrote a story about uh, Leonard Skinner and the time they, uh, you know, they, they died right in Gillsburg. The plane went down in Gillsburg, Mississippi, right outside Baton Rouge. They were actually on their way uh, to Baton Rouge in 77 to do a show. <clears throat> and when the plane went down and so I wrote this whole, story sitting where the nose of the plane came to rest. And I, I called up Shannon Doe, my buddy, Marty Raven. He's the lead singer. Scotty, uh, we're going to cut that song. And they cut it and they had Charlie Daniels do a cameo on it. It was huge. And so we did that. And uh, 
just there's been a lot of them. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, I love to write. I, I a lot of people don't know that about me, and but uh, I'm constantly writing. It drives my wife nuts. We're in the car. I'm writing. I wrote four songs for John Schneider. Uh, I wrote every Friday night, which is the whole uh, story of how as kids we grew up watching, you know, the Dukes of Hazard on Friday nights, you know, on CBS. And then ABC and uh, the Incredible Hulk and all that. Remember that on Friday night? It was the Incredible yeah. Hulk. Yeah. And then it was the Dukes of Hazard, you know. And, um, but uh, those were good times, you know. And uh, but yes, I love writing songs, and I'll continue. I wrote. I've written twenty songs for Hanna Barbera for uh, Scooby Doo songs that have been on the DVD extras. Um, but uh, yeah, that's 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 my story there. So how did you branch into doing how did they get you get your foot in the door for doing Hanna-Barbera because was Scooby was like your first voice role right essentially or did you have other stuff before that here's how that went down you know a lot of people ask me that um how, how did you officially get the part so being in radio okay I was good friends with Don Messick who did the original voice of Scooby one of my dear friends <laughs> the legend Don Messick and you know during the early Hanna-Barbera days it was Don Messick and Dawes Butler and then Mel Blank, who was doing mostly Warner Brothers stuff, but he did some Hanna-Barbera. He was Barney Rubble on the Flintstones. And I had my afternoon show, ironically, which is called Cartoons. And um, I did a parody to the, the Alabama, the country group, had a song at the time called Shaggin' on the Boulevard. And I called it Shaggy on the Boulevard. <laughs> and a listener kept calling me and saying, you should call Hanna-Barbera and tell them they need they need to listen to this song. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm playing it on my show and it's getting a lot of requests. Last thing I wanted to do was have Hanna-Barbera send me a cease and desist. Right, right, right. So I let it play out. About a month later, and this guy kept calling, relentless. So I figured, you know what? It's ran its course. I'm going to call Hanna-Barbera. So I called out there and I didn't know who to ask for, but they put me through the music department, Bodie Chandler. And Bodie goes, wow. I played it down the line. He goes, do they know you do the Scooby voice that good down here? I said, uh, no, that's why I'm calling. He says, I'm going to have Colette Sunderman. She's the casting director. He says, you know we're casting for a new Scooby, right? And I said, what happened to Don? And they said, well, Don had a stroke. Yeah. And he's no longer doing the voice. He's not, well, he's not good. And I said, wow, I did not know that. So they said, but but we'll have Colette call you. So Colette calls me, and she's like, you know, short and simple, let me hear it. So I did, and she's like, uh huh, okay. I'm gonna call you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Central Time. You're gonna be. I need you to be there. Okay. So I went through a series of about a week, week and a half auditions, and lo and behold, I did not know this until later, but it got down to me and Dave Coulier from Full House. Oh wow, Uncle Joey, cut yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't know this later. Uh, Dave Coulier wrote the, the forward in my book. Oh, okay. And uh, he, uh, it got down to me and him. And they were playing them back and forth, and they just couldn't pick who they wanted. And so Bill Hanna, or maybe it was Joe Barbera, was walking through the hall. And they asked him to pop in, and they said, can we play you two, two voices here, and you tell us who you think is the next Scooby-Doo. Well, they played it. 
and I want out. He goes, so that guy's got Don Messick's laugh down to a T. So I got the part. And the next thing I know, I'm flying to L.A. And I'm doing sitting with Adrian Barbeau. You know, she was on Maud and a lot of stuff. Um, sitting next to Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Wow. Mark freaking Hamill. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny because we were in the middle of recording Zombie Island, which, by the way, shameless plug. 25th anniversary, ladies and gentlemen, September 22nd, the greatest Scooby movie of all time. Um, so we're in the middle of recording this song, this movie. And we're at lunch. We took an hour break for lunch. And I'm getting to know people. Frank Welker. Uh, uh, just so many people. Um, and there was a guy over there by the name of Jim Cummings. Okay. I don't know who he is. So I'm over there and I'm getting food at the trade. He looks over at me and he goes, so you're the new Scooby, huh? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you got big paws to fill. I said, yeah, Dom was a dear friend of mine. This is an honor. And uh, he goes, you do any other voices? And I was like, not officially. I do a killer Winnie the Pooh. He says, really? Let me hear it. So I'm like being all cocky, you know. Oh, mother, I got a rumbly in my tumbly. I'm a silly old man. He goes, wow. Yeah, that's going to really give the guy that does the voice of Pooh a run for the money. I wouldn't do that around him if I were you. And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> so I go back and I sit down and I'm talking to Frank Welker. And I said, hey, Frank, who's the guy up there? He goes, oh, it's Jim Cummings. I said, yeah, who, who's Jim Cummings? He goes, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I'm like... I'm going to open my mouth. Would you please insert my foot for me? Um, so I thought, how can I get out of this? Because this is embarrassing. So I, ma I mastered up a plan. And when I went back for seconds, he happened to come up and was getting something too. And I said, hey, Jim, do you like that Winnie the Pooh slam? And he goes, I was brilliant. I, he goes, I, I was funny. That was funny. Because <laughs> you're going to fit in good here. I was like... Oh, God, he thought it was a joke. I didn't have the heart to tell him. I didn't know who the heck he was, yeah, okay? Yeah. But um, anyway, we I had some great story. We were right in the middle of filming this thing, too, after lunch, and I'm walking the halls of Hanna-Barbera. I'm, I'm walking into I Iwo Takamoto. He created Scooby. He was the guy that drew the Scooby. Yeah. And I'm sitting in his office, and he's doing designs for me of Scooby and just throwing these pieces of paper at me, right? I was like, oh, i got to keep those. I'm folding them up. Put them on my <laughs> And uh, and then I walked into Joe Barbera's office, and he's got, you know, I mean, it's freaking Joe Barbera. Yeah. Now, you have to understand, Zombie Island, last official recording at the old Hanna-Barbera Studios. They had already moved Cartoon Network and Hanna-Barbera over to the Warner Brothers studio lot. Okay? Yeah. So we were it. It was like a ghost walking through the halls. It was oh, like a man. ghost. Yeah. It was very eerie. And some of the lights were flickering. It was ghostly, actually. Right? And I went in and I'm sitting there with my, and you know how you do stuff stupid sometimes you don't realize you're doing it. I'm sitting there with both feet up on Bill Hanna's desk. I kid you not. That's a <laughs> habit with me, by the way. It's a bad <laughs> habit, but I'm sitting there and I put both feet up there and I wondered why he kept staring at me a little bit. You know what I mean? But he was very cordial, very nice. He was like, dude, you got Don Messick down to a T and Finally, I get this tap on the shoulder, and it's uh, the producer. 
And he's like, really? We're 15 minutes past. We've been wondering where you went. And I'm like, Mr. Hanna, I got to go. So I walked in there and he goes, you ever do that again? Late, we will fire you. Okay. And I'm like, okay. So that's Hollywood. You know what I mean? You just don't do that. I'm learning. And he looks at me and he goes, and you really had your freaking feet on Bill Hanna's desk? And I'm like, oh God, did I? He goes, what do you think you are, a barn? I go, man, I am so sorry. So yeah, that's what's called being young in Hollywood. Okay. So yes, we got that done. And the very next morning, we, we recorded for two days. The very next morning, my buddy Rick Dees asked me to be on his morning show. Okay. So I, I was like, okay, I got to get out of there at a certain time because I got to be over to the studios. So I went in and we started having fun and he was involved me with listeners and I'm promoting the movie I'm in voicing. I mean, they're getting a lot of PR in LA, right? Right. But we're running late and I get in that cab and we get stuck in traffic and I'm thinking, oh my God. So we're 20 minutes past nine o'clock. Oh no. And I'm thinking I'm done there. So we get there, we pull up. And when I tell you, you could drop a pin, there were 12 actors in a circle, right? And they're all just sitting there flipping through their pages a little bit. And I walk in and I grab my headsets and I put them on and I open up the script and the door opens. And right in front of everybody, I'm talking uh, Mark Hamill, Adrian Barbeau, the producer, instead of pulling me out, calls me out in front of all these people. And he goes, you see all these people here? They're professionals. You want to know why they've achieved what they've achieved in their careers? Because they're on freaking time. Do you understand me? If we had any time to kill, I would fire you right now and recast you. Okay? Unfortunately for you, or fortunately for you, we don't have that time. One more time that you're late sitting in this chair. If I were you, I would not even get up to go pee because I may replace you. And I'm just sitting there and Mark Hamill's like, you know, and so the producer turns around and walks out and Mark Hamill looks over at me and he goes, Hey kid, welcome to Hollywood. You know, and I was like, <laughs> he was trying to lighten the mode, you know, the, the moment. And he goes, don't let it bother you. He goes, they almost fired me from Star Wars 40 times. You know, he goes, you'll get over it, you know. He goes, but you might want to be on time from now on. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah I think. <laughs> and, and I've never been. And listen, I'm I'm usually because I'm never late. But, you know, when you get in L.A., if you veer off course, dude, you may be in traffic for an hour. You know, yeah, you I, know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So but other than that, it was a wonderful moment. I did a table read sitting where Don Messick sits. And um, I had to pinch myself, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I went on to doing Shaggy, you know, and the rest of the, uh, the the movies as well. So yeah. And that's another story. And video games too. How does how do the video Dude, games done, voicing the video games? How does that differ from animated? Well, shows? the movie the movies are easy. That's two hours. You're everybody's reading their lines. When you're doing a video game, you go from 120 pages to 800 pages. And because you have to do every scenario 
most people will never even get to level 50. Okay. Yeah. But you still have to do it because there's that one nerd out there that's going to blow the, you know, the thing up and it's ponderous. It really is. You, you, you go in and you read each line. Okay. So you look at the script and you're like, wow, I've got, I've got 2000 lines. And then the producer's writing you to do each line three times. So you get three takes. Yeah. And sometimes that you do it 12 times. Okay. It's very rough on the voice. And uh, I, 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 as much as I love doing the characters and I love doing the movies, I hated doing the video game. The money was good, but the, what it did to your vocal cords, I had hot tea coming, man. I was, I was pissing tea. Okay. When I tell right. you, it, it was, you know, then I had to go cause I got too hyped up. I'd have to go to hot water just so I could do these. And, uh, but uh, I'll tell you, I was in doing a video game. Well, I was in doing a bumper with a cartoon network to promote Zombie Island when it came out. Okay. And, you know, Billy West had done Shaggy in um, in Zombie Island. I did Scooby. And I, I kept doing Shaggy in, you know, and they kept, they kept, who's, who the heck is doing Shaggy? That's, that's Casey Kasem, dude. That's, that's dead. I said, well, that's me. And the guy goes, you've got to be freaking kidding me. He goes, we just spent an hour and a half with Billy West doing the shaggy lines for Zombie Island. He goes, God, I wish I had known that. We would have had you do the, the lines, you know? And I said, well, I'll do them for you for nothing. And he goes, are you serious? So they're all talking amongst themselves and they're like, dude, can we do it now? And I looked out with the studio, Jeff, my producer, and he goes, yeah, we got time. So we spent another hour and I knocked all those out. And the producer, again, Colette Sunderman calls me. She said, pack your bags. We're going to do Witch's Ghost. And I said, well, you know, I'm doing Shaggy now for Cartoon Network. And she's like, you are? She goes, can you overnight that tape to me? So I did. And she played it for Davis Joy, who was the producer of Witch's Ghost. And he goes, well, that's Casey Kasem. She goes, no, that's Scott. And he goes, wow, please inform Scott he'll be doing Shaggy. Too. <laughs> and that's how that went down. That's a true story. And uh, that's how I got the Shaggy. And I've been doing, since then, I have voiced hundreds of video games, talking toys, movies, TV commercials, you name it. Um, and, you know, and still doing it to this day. I just went in the studio the other day and I voiced uh, uh, talking toys for the new Cracker Barrel convenience, the old Cracker Barrel stores. Yeah. Um, all their, their Christmas and uh, Valentine's talking Scoobies have got my voice on it. There's a new pinball machine that you listen to. The listeners have got to check out. It's from Spooky Pinball LLC. These pinball machines are not cheap, but they are incredible. If you're a Scooby fan, uh, I did all the the monsters in that. Uh, so I've now done officially 27 of the monsters, the, the more popular monsters. Oh, wow. um, I recently did a, a, a Halifax Bank commercial over in London. I did a McDonald's uh, commercial in London. Um, I did the Super Bowl ad that ran a couple of years ago. That oh, was wow. cool for Walmart. You know, with a they they're promoting get the uh order it online and pick it up, you know, yeah. curbside. Yeah. And Scoot, the mystery machine pulls in next to the, you know, the Ghostbuster yeah, Ecto yeah, one. And the and DeLorean all and all those, yeah. The door opens and yeah, the DeLorean's flying in and you see this hand come out of the back and it's like, Ruby Snacks, well, run. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so you know, I did that, and that's pretty impressive too. If somebody asked me what's a highlight of my career, I did a Super Bowl ad. Okay, yeah. that's huge. That's, that's awesome. huge. You know, 
So your your list of characters you've done, you know, people don't necessarily realize that it goes way beyond just Scooby and Shaggy and Scrappy. And, you know, you've done Flintstones and Astro. I mean, Yogi, just Yogi, Yogi Bear. Bear. Is there anybody that you wish you had the chance to do a voice for or anybody you really want to do the voice for? You know, yes. Um, you know, I, I would love at some point in my career to, you know, I'm a Disney fan. I love some of the Disney characters. Um, I love, uh, oh, well, gosh, this here's goofy. Hey there, Mickey. And then, of course, you know, oh, Bubba, I got a rumbly in my tumbly. I'm a silly old bear. Oh, he, uh, would you please help me put my my tail back on, please? Or, uh, or, or help me reach the honey jaw. No matter, Pooh. I would love to help you reach the honey jar. You know, so I do a lot of those uh, for kids. Uh, I do a, you know, I, I feel I do a Jim Henson, um, Kermit the Frog. I love Kermit the Frog. Yeah. And I love Paul Williams. He wrote the one of the most iconic songs, you know, Rainbow Connection. Won a Grammy for it and everything. And um, Little Enos on the Dukes, or on the uh, Smokey and the Bandit. But you know, why are there so many songs about rainbows and what's on the other side? Kermit, rainbows are visions and only illusions. Singing Miss Piggy, rainbows have nothing to hide. So, you know, uh, those are characters that I adore, you know. Elmo, hello. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love to count. So those are some of the characters that, before I kick the bucket, I would love to be able to say that I, I yeah. did a voice for. But the guys that do those voices are just amazing people. They really are. Right. I hang with them a lot. And uh, they're just super people. And uh, to, it would be an honor for me to, you know, step into their paws and, and and be able to bring some of those characters to life. But look, the good Lord has blessed me with enough. And, and you know, if it all ended today, uh, wow, I've lived a childhood dream. You know, it's uh, to be able to say that I've done something that I really, really, really love. You know, I've had three, three goals and really four if you count the birthday party. So we'll add that in there. <laughs> four, four goals in my life. One. I want to have a 50th birthday party and actually charge people to get in. Right. Okay. Check. I want to win a, I want to win a CMA award from the country music association. I don't know how I'm going to win it, whether it's going to be for song or whatever, or for air personality of the year, but I did, I got it. Check okay. the next night. Scooby-Doo on zombie Island goes nationwide. I'm the voice of Scooby-Doo. And four, I wrote a song for the number one. I always wanted to write a song for Kenny Rogers. Yeah. And I did that. So four things, and I've achieved all four of them. And so I believe that, you know, dreams are nothing more than reality waiting to happen. You just got to put your foot in the door. They didn't want to hire me at KLID, but I was relentless. I kept putting the foot in the door, and they kept saying no. I put the foot in the door, no. And I said, what is it with you people? What is it going to take for you to hire me? Tell me what you want me to do. Well, we need a janitor. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, I, 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 you just gotta be relentless sometimes, you know, 
And the program director at KLID, Bill Steiger, told me one time, he said, you want to know really the reason I hired you? Because I was tired of telling, seeing you every day. You came to the station every day after school wanting a job, and we wouldn't hire you. They wouldn't hire me for like four or five months. I mean, and I, I kept, I wouldn't leave. And uh, I actually, on their back doorstep, it was on a weekend, I went up and pitched a tent to, to make a, a statement. Mm-hmm. And they just came in, and it was funny because Bill Steiger just walked right past me, didn't even acknowledge me. <laughs> he was trying to show me that he's not going to hire me. Walked right past me, and I just sat out there in that tent. And uh, finally, he he hired. So you just I tell people, you, if you want it bad enough, go get it. How bad do you want to win the Super Bowl? Go get it. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, I mean, it's I've 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 been blessed in my career. And if it all day, dude, how many people can say they've right. done what I've done? Right. You know, and so uh, I give credit to the man upstairs because, uh, you know, he's and and my mother, you know, my mother uh, struggled with uh, with alcohol and drugs for years. And uh, she loved me to death. I loved her. But some of the stuff I went through as a child uh, molded me into what I am today. It made me resilient and determination. And, uh, you know, and that's, that, that made, that made me, you know, sometimes they say it may break you. Well, I took what broke me and, 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 and let it make me. So, um, that's kind of the deal there. Do you have any upcoming, uh, shows or events or movies? I, I saw that you might be a ring announcer in a movie, but I don't know how much you can talk about that, but, uh, yeah. well, I'll let you talk about it. so are you doing, I heard through the grapevine that you're playing a role in the movie, the iron claw which is based on yeah. the story of the Von Erichs. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan. People who watch the show, listen to the show. Uh, I've had wrestlers on here in the past. I've done wrestling. So they know uh, I'm a big fan. And I saw that. I was like, Oh, this is super cool. I got to find, I got to, they got to see if there's anything about this. You can talk about. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, what you said. Okay. You know, and Sounds then, good. and then, uh, you know, and then we, we got some signings and some comic cons coming up. We'd love to see the fans. We're going to be in St. Augustine this weekend over uh, just south of Jacksonville, Florida. We, we did that one last year. Great people put it on. They okay. invited us back. And um, and then we're going to go up to uh, Memphis and do Memphis Comic Expo the following weekend. Following weekend after that, we're going to be at uh, Cowtown uh, Comic uh, Comic Con in Fort Worth, Texas. Then we go to Pensacola and we do a big uh, a little con. It's a smaller con, but it's with the folks who put on Pensacola and uh, Mike and the crew over there. And then we're going to do uh, we're going to go to Beaumont, Texas, and then San Antonio, Texas, and and then we're going to go down and do some filming with the Bellamy Brothers. They they've called and asked me to be a guest on their show, kind of like what we and do the same thing we've done with your show. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, life's good. Um, I'm I'm not taking anything serious, you know. You you can't. Um, you just got to kind of live it each day to day and enjoy the ride, you know. I've learned yeah. to start just stepping back and taking a deep breath and uh, enjoying the footsteps that I've walked so far, you know. And to, to turn around and look back on the footsteps that I've actually stepped into is 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 pretty wild. I, I still have to pinch myself, and I'm I'm humbled by it. I love it. I'm just glad to be a small part in such a big franchise. That is, in my opinion, and I am a little biased, one of the great greatest franchises 
in the history of cartoons. Yeah. One of the longest running series in animation history is Scooby-Doo. It's never, ever been off the air since 1969. In some form, it's played. And, you know, Casey Kasem, love you, rest in peace. Um, Don Messick, one of my dear friends, um, you know, who did Scooby and so many more, uh, rest in peace. Uh, Mel Blanc, Dawes Butler, some of the greatest voiceover, June Foray, uh, Gene Vanderpile, the list goes on and on. It's just these people paved the way. They created, you know, they said that uh, the Warner Brothers characters were the greatest babysitters in the history of animation. I'll say, I'll, I'll pay attention, boy. I said, you see that little house over there? It says D-O-G. I said, that's Phil's chicken. Go get him, boy. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, it's it's been a ride. That's awesome. People can find you on social media. Uh, you're on TikTok at Scott Innes 1969-1969. Uh, Facebook, yep. you can look, people can look you up on Facebook, the Scott Innes Radio Show. They can find yep. you right there. Uh, and people, you can also listen to that radio show on iHeartRadio Classic Hits 103.3 Baton Rouge. Yeah, uh, we do how, that every morning. How would you say it? How would you say it when you're live, the Classic Scott Hits? Ennis, good to have you along. Classic Hits 103.3. It's Ennis in the morning. Good to have you along. Put the seatbelts on and hug the babies when you get home. Hug the babies. I'm going to have to ask you about that one in the after show Q&A because I, 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 that's, that's something that I've heard. That's something that I've heard. Um. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains who are listening, coming up, we're going to be joined by sci-fi and fantasy author Rhett C. Bruno, author of Titan Born and the entire Children of Titan series, the Black Badge Old West fantasy series, the Buried Goddess Saga, Ascendant Wars, and many, many more. That live show is going to be September 25th and the podcast available the 26th. Not to mention actor and New York Times bestselling author Wesley Chu is going to be joining us. Urban fantasy author Heather Harris is going to be joining us. Co-owner of Monty Cook Games, Shanna Germain, is also going to be joining us. Guys, make sure to push all the buttons. Make sure to follow, subscribe, rate, review. Those ratings and reviews really do help us. They really do help our guests. So thank you so much for being here. And for Scott Innes, I'd like to thank you all for listening to Epic Realms. As Casey Kasem would say, put your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. <laughs> <laughs>